Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. Well, friends, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Today we're continuing our four-week sermon series entitled Footsteps of the Faithful. During these weeks, we're considering what does God want from me in this life? We all know that we're supposed to live faithfully, right? But what exactly does faithful living look like? What does it mean to walk in the footsteps of the faithful? As a way of exploring those key questions, we're considering the stories of four individual Christians, four real-life Christians who undoubtedly asked those very same questions. I'll remind you again, all four were just regular folks, ordinary people like you and me, but each of them found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. And each of them responded to those circumstances in extraordinary ways. Their faith led them to make choices. And because of their choices, they each became an example for us, an example of faithful living. So today, our subject is Kai Munch, poet, playwright, and Lutheran pastor. Now, Pastor Munch probably was almost certainly not surprised to hear the sharp knock on his parsonage door that night. It was January 4th, 1944, and in a lot of ways, that knock was probably long overdue. Well, let's back up a little bit. Context is everything. In 1944, the world was at war. Germany, Japan, and Italy led what was called the Axis powers, and in Northern Europe, Germany was a threat to absolutely every nation. And Denmark, little Denmark, was in a very precarious position. Just to give you a little orientation, Denmark is the country in green, surrounded by water on all sides except its southern border with Germany itself. Here's a picture of the capital of Denmark, the beautiful port city of Copenhagen. It's on the east edge of Denmark, which you can see on the right, Copenhagen, Denmark's in orange here. Copenhagen is just across the water from Malmo, Sweden. Interestingly, in 2000, they built a bridge and a tunnel to connect those two cities. But we have to look all the way across to the west side of Denmark, 
where we can find Vederso, the hometown of Kai Munk, the place where he was born and the place where he returned to serve as part-time pastor at the very same church he grew up in. Okay, let's get back to Denmark's predicament. The trouble began in earnest for Denmark in the spring of 1940, on April 9th, 1940, to be exact. For several years, Germany, under Adolf Hitler, had been laying plans to conquer Europe. Their battle plans were developed with all the precision and attention to detail that German manufacturing is still known for today. By the late 1930, all of Germany's major industries had retooled for a single purpose, world conquest, world domination. An unbelievable war machine had been built. Millions of soldiers were trained and ready. And in the fall of 1939, that war machine sprang to life, and it was horrific in its efficiency. The nation of Poland was the first target in its sights. At dawn on September 1st, 900 German bombers and 2,000 tanks were mobilized. The capital city, Warsaw, and 10 other Polish cities were indiscriminately and massively bombed. City blocks were utterly destroyed. Countless citizens died. Poland surrendered within weeks, the Third Reich's first of many victims. As winter set in, Germany turned its sights to its next targets, just waiting for the warmer weather of spring to arrive. Let's look at that map again. Germany had already defeated Poland to the right. Germany would love to take Norway and Sweden next. But look, it's a long, treacherous way to northern Scandinavia by land. It wasn't ready to take on Russia to get to Norway and Sweden. But look how much closer it would be to just go straight north through Denmark. That was the plan. So when spring of 1940 arrived, it was absolutely no stopping the overpowering power of Germany. They moved into Denmark on April 9th with incredible speed and incredible numbers. I'm sure you've heard the German word Blitzkrieg. Football still uses it in the short form, Blitz. It means an overwhelming force moving at lightning speed, and it describes perfectly Germany's invasion of Denmark. Never mind that Denmark had signed a non-aggression pact with Germany just a year earlier. No, tanks and bombers and countless soldiers poured over the border. And compare that with the vastly inferior Danish military. They didn't stand a chance. Fearful that Germany would bomb defenseless Copenhagen in the same way they had done to Warsaw and all those other Polish cities when they invaded, the Danish government quickly capitulated. The military surrendered. Within four hours, it was all over. 
it would be the shortest military campaign of World War II. Now, Denmark wasn't really of strategic importance to Germany other than it being so close to Norway and Sweden. Danish citizens were allowed to continue with their lives and their government. For the most part, it all remained in place. Germany continued its blitzkrieg both north into Norway and south through Belgium, Luxembourg, and the Netherlands, and France. It would only be a matter of time before Germany had taken over much of Europe and Northern Africa, but because of its compliance with Germany in those early months of the war, Denmark managed to avoid much of the brutality suffered by other nations that Germany invaded. Denmark understood the delicate position it was in. Germany held all the cards. Here's how it's going to be, Denmark. You play by our rules. You behave yourselves. You don't make trouble while we're dealing with bigger prey elsewhere, and we'll leave you in peace. But you mess up, you'll be in a world of hurt. Everybody in Denmark knew the danger of angering the occupying forces among them. Everyone understood that there were spies all around. Even their Danish neighbors could be watching for troublemakers or rebels or resistance against the Nazis. Make the Germans angry and your beautiful cities could be burned to the ground, your people rounded up and executed, your peaceful lives shattered for good. Did the Danes hate the Nazis? Yes, most of them did, but they made a deal with the devil that they did not dare break. So, this is the world that Pastor Kai Munk found himself in. He was born Kai Harald Leininger Peterson, but he'd been raised by the Munch family after the death of his parents when he was a young child. Vaderso, Denmark is a small parish, small enough that Munch could serve as the solo part-time pastor. He spent the rest of his time as a very well-known writer, composing articles and writing plays, many of which dealt with the theme of Nordic pride and accepting personal responsibility in the face of injustice. Always at the core of his writings were profound Christian principles, as one would expect from a pastor. In fact, he had a great love for using stories of historical figures to remind audiences of how heroes of old stood up to aggression and injustice, no matter the cost. Self-sacrifice, commitment to what's right, following one's faith, even against overwhelming power, were the themes of his plays, and his sermons. And audiences, young and old, were thrilled to hear about a prouder time, to imagine a world where the oppressors perish and the oppressed are set free. 
Many times his plays and his sermons came dangerously close to being clear criticisms of the German occupiers. One of his plays told the true story of Niels Ebison, who lived six centuries earlier. Count Gerhard III, a German warlord, had invaded Denmark to make it part of his kingdom. Sound familiar? And young Niels and a band of followers crept into the house in Denmark where Count Gerhardt was sleeping and murdered him in his bed, ending the German occupation and restoring Denmark to self-rule. No, the play never mentioned Hitler, but it was plain to everybody exactly what this play was really about. Slay the tyrant was the message. Throw out the Nazis. Restore the world to its proper order. Its proper order. Munch would say its proper Christian order. Pastor Munch had a mission, a vision, for how the world could change. When those nations that bear the cross of Christ on their flags rally the faith that those flags represent, rally their strength, rise up against the Nazis, that was the future Munch hoped for. Come on, Christian nations! How long are you going to sleep? How long will you fail to resist this profoundly unchristian, fascist reg regime? Rise up, Christian nations. Rise up, people of God. Be careful, Pastor Munch. That was the warning that came to him over and over again. Be careful what you say. Consider who might hear it. Be careful. No, be quiet. You're attracting the wrong kind of attention. But Pastor Munch was adamant. He would not be silent. He would not tone it down. The truth, he said, cannot simply be pickled, salted down, preserved, and set aside for a more convenient time. The truth is found only in living form, and it must be used in the moment that it appears. Otherwise, it dies and decays and becomes destructive. No, Pastor Munch was resolute. If we don't take our stand now, when will we? If we don't speak the truth, who will? Munch was defiant, writing, It has been made our duty to render under Caesar the things that belong to him, our money, our labor, our health, the best years of our youth, our lives. But if he demands that we should call black, white, tyranny, liberty, violence, justice, we must answer, It is written, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. With words like this, it was no surprise to anyone that Pastor Munch's preaching and his writing had indeed attracted the attention of the Germans. In fact, the Gestapo, Hitler's secret police, banned Pastor Munch from preaching anywhere 
But on December 1st, 1943, the first Sunday of Advent, Pastor Munk defied that ban by preaching in the very most public and prominent pulpit in all of Denmark, the National Cathedral in Copenhagen. And the words he spoke were as direct and as defiant as ever. Let him come with his lions and his tigers, with his gallows and his stakes. We conquer by our death. We must obey God before man. So the sharp knock on the parsonage door just a few short weeks later couldn't have been much of a surprise. Not to Pastor Munk, not to his wife, or their young daughter who was in the study with Pastor Munk at the time. Go up to your mother, he said. I need to step out for a bit. The next day, Pastor Munk's body was found in a roadside ditch outside a neighboring town. He'd been shot numerous times, an example to those who would defy Hitler's grip on Europe. All of Denmark grieved at the news. Copenhagen's newspaper ran his obituary under the heading, The Great Son of Denmark. Kai Munk. Half of the January 1944 edition of the Danish resistance newspaper was dedicated to him and his writing, and his portrait filled the front page. Influential leaders from across Scandinavia mourned his death and condemned his killers. Still to this day, his writings and his memory bring alive the anguish of that time. And they challenge people of faith to consider just how they are putting their faith into action. You know, Kai Munk lived out his faith during World War II nearly 80 years ago. But in many ways, his story is truly timeless. Is it not true that at just about any point in human history, there can be found no shortage of those who would oppress others for the sake of power? Fascism and its hatred of others didn't begin with Nazi Germany, and it didn't end with them either. Human history is full of horrific stories of humans treating other humans with suspicion, contempt, and murderous violence. And human history is full as well of stories of those who have had the courage and conviction to stand up to these horrors with the sweet saving word of Jesus. Jesus, who loved and affirmed and healed and ultimately died for the least, the last, and the lost. The path of faithfulness is clear, my friends, but walking that path with integrity can carry a terrible price. 
Today we thank God for the life and witness of a Lutheran pastor who understood that the cause of Christ is more important than even his own life. We remember Kai Munk today and we thank God for his story, his witness, his faith, even as we consider how we too are called to be bold in our witness and our faith. May God bless us as we struggle to live with integrity, true to our Lord, no matter the cost. In Jesus' name, amen. most valuable message we have to share at faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you, and I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be. Mm -hmm.